0: Welcome to Specs Speak Science, the scientific podcast hosted by a rotating cast of chemists and industry experts. From highlighting the hidden chemistry in our everyday lives to discussing relevant industry topics, Specs Speak Science looks to deliver informative content to the scientific community. With that, please enjoy this installment of Specs Speak Science. Hi, welcome to today's podcast. Today we're going to talk about a subject that's very near and dear to the heart of Specs, Serta Prep and Specs Sample Prep pet food. 10 years ago in 2009, I lost a very beloved pet to cancer, and I had decided that I really wanted to know what was in their food. And it turns out the rest of the Specs, Certiprep, and Sample Prep employees wanted to know what was in their pet food as well. So we did a study on the analysis of pet food for inorganic contaminants, heavy metals. And it was dedicated to all the pets of Specs CertiPrep Prep and Specs Sample Prep. But why did we feel it was important to study pet food? Pet food is a multi-billion dollar a year business. Just think about what you spend on your pet between the toys and the vet visits and the vaccinations and the food and the cat litter and all the other things that go with it. And if you're one of those special pet parents, you have parties for your pet, you give them Christmas presents. So just think of all that money that we spend on our pets. Even when times are tough and money is, is tight, we still seem to find money to spend on our pets. And most industrial uh, countries around the world spend millions, if not billions, of dollars. The U.K. spent 1.7 billion pounds in 2009 on pets. In the U.S., it was $14.3 billion. And then the leading exporters of pet food are France, with $993 million in 2009. The United States was second with uh, $786 million in 2009. And the Netherlands was third with $511 million in 2009. And the leading importers? Well, Japan imported in 2009 $781 million worth of pet food. Germany $617 million worth of pet food. And the UK, $563 million of pet food. Pet food has a a bit of a sordid history. There really wasn't any pet food before the late 1800s or the early 1900s. Commercial pet food at that time didn't exist. You had uh, some canned food for humans. But usually the pets ate whatever was around, whatever scraps were around. Well, World War I brought a large amount of horses so world war one was in many ways a horse mounted war so there were a lot of horses put into service during world war one and after world war one there was a dearth of horses so what was done with it unfortunately they were made into horse meat in many cases so the first brand of pet food was kennel ration then you had world war ii All these canning efforts went to the war effort. So there were canned foods for the soldiers and canned foods that went around the world. But after World War II, suddenly you had all this canning equipment and what were you going to do with it? So they capitalized on this ability to to can food and they canned the food byproducts to produce bet food. And that was $200 million produced after World War II. After 1956, we had the introduction of dry food. And then in the 80s and the 90s, we saw special diets. You saw things for uh, kidney disease or for overweight pets. And the newest trends in the 2000s are holistic diets, natural diets. You have the frozen pet foods. But then what happened in 2007, it was a huge year for pet food. Why? Because of the pet food recall. At the time, there was $45 billion a year of pet food sales and massive recalls. These went across all these different brands, all these different companies. It was cat food. It was dog food. Nobody could figure out what had happened. Pets were dying because there was uh, melamine and cyanic acid in the pet food. When these two combine in the body, they form crystals. And these crystals can kill people and animals. What they found out later Was there were Asian suppliers of pet food and pet food bases, and they were fortifying those bases with artificial or counterfeit protein. They were adding this melamine to artificially increase the protein count of these pet foods. So, what happened was you had over 200 brands of dog and cat food that were affected by this recall. And when it was broken down, it was broken down between four major conglomerates. So there are four major pet food players in the, at the time in uh, 2007, and 80 to 90% of all of those recalled brands were among these four major conglomerates. Now, all four of these major conglomerates actually use the same raw material producer provider. So they all go to the same manufacturer that mass produces pet food for these different brands and these different conglomerates. So about 50% of the food was affected from all of these different companies because they were all using this same manufacturing agent. In 2010, the list was up to over 1,000 recalls of products in the list. And it made us aware. It made us question, what is a quality pet food ingredient? If you see something on a label that says not fit for human consumption, well, if it's not fit for human consumption, is it really fit for my pet's consumption? We wanted to know what were those premium brands? What's organic? What's natural? What's quality? And we wanted to know what is the quality of the ingredients we're putting into our pet food. So if you looked to the FDA in 2009, 2010, you were looking at the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, and that required that pet food was safe to eat, produced under sanitary conditions, free from harmful substances, and be truthfully labeled. And canned pet food had to be free of microorganisms. So the label requirements said that it had to have an identification of a product and all the information you'd expect, the quantity statement, a list of ingredients, nutritional information, the name and the place of business. But there were also some things that, if you knew what you were looking at, are kind of controversial pet food label. There were things called animal source products. This is where the animal was not specified. You'd see the keywords animal fat, animal meal, animal digest, animal byproducts or meat byproducts. These are products which don't designate what kind of animal. It could be chicken, it could be cow, it could be roadkill. There was no designation. And where they were getting these products like animal fat, animal meal, animal digest, were more often from that from rendering plants. And that could be, uh, you know, leftover grocery material. So if meat had gone bad or passed its expiration date, it would go to the rendering plant. And that would include all the packaging as well. So the styrofoam and the plastic packaging. It could be roadkill. It could be any source of material, euthanized animals. So this is a generic animal product. Then you have the byproducts. Well, that's everything but meat. That could be hooves. It could be feathers. It could be anything. So those are some keywords that you really want to look at when you're looking at pet food. Do they actually name the animal? And what is a byproduct? What part of the animal is it coming from? Then there's bone meal, which is what it sounds, ground up bone. Then there could be fillers. There could be corn gluten, corn meal, it could be starch, cornstarch. It could be almost anything. These are things to bulk out the product. There are also chemicals like preservatives, BHT, uh, BHA. Uh, these are banned in the EU, but sometimes still seen in the U.S. It's a possible human carcinogen, and it's been linked to tumors. You have selenium compounds. Now, selenium compounds have been linked in the past to overdose and animal poisonings. You have synthetic vitamin K, a controversial ingredient because it was never really intended for pet food use, and it's been banned in human food in Europe and in human supplements by the FDA. Then there are things that you don't see on the label. You could see antioxidants, which are used in cosmetics and food packaging. You could see things like bisphenol A and phthalates from the packaging, the can liners, and these have estrogenic effects and are often banned in products that children use. Then, of course, you have the poisoning of 2007, the melamine and the cyanic acid. It was uh, responsible for the death of pets in the U.S., but it was also responsible for the death of infants in China when they found it in infant formula and dried milk. Ethoxicin has been found in pet food. It's a suspected carcinogen. It's also very controversial. Euthanasia drugs. The FDA found small amounts of euthanasia drugs in some pet foods. Veterinary drugs, these are the antibiotics, the growth drugs, the anti-parasitic drugs. And of course, you have the usual suspects, pesticides, you have mycotoxins, mold and fungi, physical contaminants, and of course, metal composition, which is what we were concerned about. So after the 2007 pet food recall, people started becoming more concerned what is in their pet food. And the manufacturers were were really much more careful about their suppliers. And there was a statement from a manufacturer saying that they went over to China and they went over to Asia to find out how their product was made and they were shocked. And they basically had to retrain their supplier how they wanted their products made. So for this study, we were looking mostly for the elements of concern like arsenic or cadmium, mercury, lead, things, heavy metals, uranium in some cases. And for that, we looked at 59 pet food samples. And as I said, they were donated by Specs CertiPrep and Sample Prep employees. And what wasn't donated, we purchased from grocery stores, chain stores, budget stores, pet food supply stores. We also looked at three uh, human proteins, sardines, tuna, and chicken, just to kind of compare them. And we looked at both dry food and wet food for cats and dogs. We had 31 dry food samples, about half and half dog and cat. And we had 27 wet food samples. Again, about half and half dog and cat food. And it was a whole range of ingredients. so everything from the the healthy uh, meat-based to the dollar store brand. So every range of ingredients and price. What we did find was that the uh, dry food had higher concentrations of, of toxins than the wet food. But we were measuring the dry foods. Uh, as they were, and we were not dehydrating the wet foods. We also found there was a large variability from pet food to pet food. Some of the more notable things we found is that out of our targets, we found about 11 out of 17 of our targets were significant. Things like 6 ppm of nickel or 9 ppm of tin. We even found a, a ppm of, of mercury. And when we looked at the same human foods, we did found a lot less of these toxic elements than we did in our pet food. Some of the heavy metals we found were over 1 ppm of lead. We found half a ppm to 1 ppm of cobalt and antimony. One of the concerning things we did find was uranium, and that was a concern because nobody realized that they would find uranium in pet food. So we did a few studies to try to figure out what the the cause of the uranium might be or what we thought... Um, might be the reason why uranium would be in particular foods and we found that the the samples that had uranium and there were six of them they were all dry dog foods and they all contained a corn product and six out of uh, four out of the six of them had about 500 ppb of uranium and one sample had one ppm and we also found there was a correlation between levels of beryllium and thorium with our uh, increase of uranium which suggested this means this uranium could be byproduct of some sort of mining activity, meaning that maybe these agricultural corn that was grown for for these products were downstream or uh, down a waterway from some sort of mining activities or uh, some sort of disruption of of uranium-rich soils, which then washed into these agricultural areas we did next was look at portion size and we asked our employees, well, how much do you feed your dog? How much do you feed your cat? And we got a wide variety of answers, but overall there tended to be a trend that we overfeed our pets, which is not terribly surprising. So for a dog of about 50 pounds, people were feeding them four to five cups of food. Now, I've had veterinarians and other people in the uh, animal feed and the animal food industry tell me that that was way too much. And I don't necessarily disagree with them. But this is, was the survey, the informal survey that we did of our, of our people who donated food. And this is what they told us they fed them. For uh, dry food for cats, they were saying about a cup. We calculated the average cat to be about 10 pounds, and the average dog for this study was to be 50 pounds, and we looked for limits on if we're talking about humans, well, what would the guidelines be, things for EPA or the World Health Organization, because at the time, in 2009, there were no reliable limits for pets. What we found was that almost all of our samples had arsenic in them, anywhere from um, you know, 20 or 30 of ppb all the way up to o- over 100 ppb of arsenic. We had antimony, we had lead, almost 500 ppm of lead in one of them. So there, there was a lot of, of heavy metals in our samples. For cat food, we found more lead than we found in the dog food, but we also found antimony and arsenic as well. So there were quite a bit of heavy metals in our foods. So when we looked to see if there were more metals in like canned food versus dry food or cat versus dog, we found that the the dry dog food had the higher levels overall than the cat, the dry cat food. And we found that those uranium samples in the the 500 to 1000 ppb range, our cat foods had higher uh, concentrations of things like cadmium and lead when the the highest lead in one cat food was almost six ppm. And, we also looked to see if fish flavorings maybe had higher mercury. We've all heard about mercury in fish, and we didn't find any correlation or evidence that there was a higher mercury because of our fish flavors. So in the end, we did find some toxic elements in all price ranges and all qualities of food, and some of the more dangerous elements like lead and arsenic were present in the food. There didn't seem to be any correlation uh, and as to price and metals, so some of our cheaper foods had uh, higher levels of some toxic metals, while some of our more expensive f- foods had tended to have more uh, arsenic or some other heavy metal involved. And we've been asked over and over again th- throughout the years, so how do you know a good food? Well, you read the labels, you know about what controversial ingredients there are, you try to find out the sources of the ingredients of your pet food, you consult your vet, and in and lieu of uh, not trusting anything you can make your own but make sure you consult your vet before you go making your own food so that it has all of the nutritional value that your pet will need i hope you keep up with us as we return to this study and repeat it for 10 years later to see now that the food safety modernization act has come into effect and pet foods are part of the food safety modernization act if we're going to see a change in these results. So I hope you'll join us as we go along this journey to test pet food in 2019 and 2020 to see if there's a a change in the status of pet food. Looking forward to speaking with you again and join us on our next podcast. Thanks. SpecSpeak Science is presented by Spec CertiPrep, a leading manufacturer of certified reference materials and calibration standards for analytical spectroscopy and chromatography. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating the podcast and subscribing for future installments. Similar content such as application notes, research studies, webinars, and more can be found at speccertiprep.com. Thank you for listening to SpecSpeak Science, and we look forward to bringing you future episodes.